Acts 4, verses 23 through 35. On the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and Lord had decided beforehand would happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Let us remember that the strength of our faith is not just in what we believe, but in how we live out that faith, caring for one another and extending a helping hand to those in need. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Faith Westwood. Good morning. Let's give it up for the praise team this morning. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. So for those who are on site as well as those who are online, it, it is so good to be with you today. Lord, prepare me. Those are great words that we're going to meditate on in the next three weeks as we prayerfully consider the ways that we are called to be the church. Today we're going to reflect on how we are called to be a sanctuary and the prayers and presence in our partnership covenant as we seek to understand the church from our focused passage in Acts of the Apostles. Now, I just want to say that if you are new or you are visiting the church, and whether that is on site or online, I just want to say that this really is a great time to find out what is important to us as a church, engaging in ministry and in mission. And I want to remind everyone that study guides for faith groups and individuals are located in the foyer and they can also be accessed online. So you are invited today to follow along as we dig into God's word today. The page number for our pew Bibles will be listed on the screen. You are always welcome to bring your own personal Bible and or to use a Bible app on your mobile devices. So would you join me in prayer? Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word. Open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst. Open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word sanctuary? Go ahead, 
for just a few moments, close your eyes. And what is the image that comes to your mind? What is the first thing that you think of? Okay. Now, for some of you, this worship center, this worship space comes to your mind. For others, it may be another sanctuary or worship space that immediately fills your mind and your soul. Maybe the sanctuary or worship space in a particular building really does speak to you. Yet most likely... It is the feeling that you get when you enter into that sanctuary or worship space that makes it so special. Now, when I think about sanctuary, I immediately think about the sanctuary of my childhood. Now, this is where I would run down that orange carpeted aisle to children's time. It was where I was confirmed in a white dress and big brown glasses. It was where I would go when I wanted to be alone and I would cry when my heart was broken a time or two. And it was also the place where I became a wedded wife to Clint. Now, most importantly, that sanctuary of my memories is where I experienced the light of Christ in such a way that it opened my heart to let Jesus in. Now, by definition, a sanctuary is a holy place, as in a temple or church, a place of refuge or safety or even serenity. Now, in the Old Testament, Exodus 25.8 states that the sanctuary will be the place where the Lord God will dwell for the Hebrew people and for Israel. They made a tabernacle that held the Ark of the Covenant, and it was mobile, Technically speaking, it was the Holy of Holies that served as the sanctuary. Later, there was temple worship, where God's people offered their prayers and animal sacrifices. And at the time of Jesus, many Jews began to worship and get their instruction in the synagogues. Now, this was a very easy transition for those early Christians who worshipped together in the first century. Jesus had offered himself as the Lamb of God, so there was no longer a need for the sacrifice of animals in worship. For the early church, sanctuary was where two or more were gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, whether they were in synagogues or more likely in underground caves in those early years, the people called Christian could not stop preaching and teaching about the living Christ. Our focus passage then invites us to claim those images that transformed the early church. Acts chapter 4 tells of how Peter and John had been arrested by the authorities. They were commanded to not preach in the name of Jesus. There could be no doubt Christians were a real threat to the Roman culture and to their social order. The local officials needed these Christians to stop doing what they were doing. But when Peter and John were released, they went back to the other disciples. And it could have been very easy for them to cave in, pun intended, under that pressure. But instead, what did they do? They turned to God. Right? And they got their stance and they put their hands on their hips and lifted their heads and they were superheroes, right? Well, kind of. Verse 24 says they raised their voices together in prayer and they prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. 
those apostles and followers of Jesus knew that God was the source of all creation and all power and glory. Verse 25, they acknowledge how the Lord spoke by the Holy Spirit through the servant David. In fact, verses 25 and 26 are from Psalm 2. The church was rooting themselves in Scripture, calling upon their deeply held ancient faith beliefs in the Messiah. So indeed, why do the nations and peoples and kings and rulers rise up and band together against the Lord and against his anointed one? Verse 26, even Herod and Pontius Pilate met together and conspired against the servant holy Jesus, whom God had anointed. Yet verse 27 acknowledges that they were only able to do what God's power and will would allow. Jesus was plotted against, betrayed, mocked, beaten, and crucified to fulfill scripture and prophecy. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright notes that in the face of this continuing opposition, those believers in the church did not pray, Lord, please cause them to die horribly. They didn't pray, Lord, let this persecution stop. Nor did they pray, Lord, please convert these authorities so that your work can move forward. Instead, these believers in the church named the source of their stress and what they were up against. Verse 29 and 30, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They were acknowledging that they were present. They were accounted for. And they were ready for God's mighty acts to be revealed. They were going to remain faithful. And they were going to be all in to continue to speak on behalf of Jesus Christ boldly and confidently. And notice that scripture tells us that their prayer was powerful and effective. Verse 31 says that after they filled the place with prayer, the place where they were meeting was shaken. The Holy Spirit filled that place with its presence and they continued to speak the word of God boldly. We long for that same Holy Spirit to fill our sanctuary and worship space. We long for the same Holy Spirit to motivate us to pray with confidence and to speak boldly for Jesus Christ. Amen, church? But let's be honest with ourselves and one another. Are we bold in our faith today? Are we bold with our prayers and our presence on behalf of our families and our community, let alone our stewardship? I think that if we are going to claim that same kind of confidence and boldness of those early Christians, we are going to have to claim what it means to be a living sanctuary, as well as living out our partnership covenant with our prayers and our presence. We may worship and pray and praise God in this worship center in these moments. 
But remember what Paul said to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? God's presence stirs within each of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But let's take this a step farther. How is your sanctuary doing? If you want to humor me for a few moments, meditate with me on these building images and think about your sanctuary. Maybe right now you're feeling strong and like you have a really firm foundation. Yet maybe your sanctuary is in desperate need of some maintenance or even a makeover or perhaps even a complete remodel. Beyond these building images, that sense of being a living sanctuary invites us to claim a sense of holiness, wanting to be set apart and to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Now certainly we cannot do this on our own. It is only by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we can experience what Jesus has in store for our lives, the gifts of peace and hope and joy. Now, how many of you, when you come into this space, you feel that peace, you feel that hope, and you experience that joy? I read another definition of sanctuary, and I love this. A refuge for the weary traveler offering respite from life's hardships. Every time you and I enter a particular worship space, we can find respite from the concerns and worries of the world. And we can lay them at the altar of God's grace and love. I love that echo from one of the songs this morning. And, and why is this so important? Because not only are you and I looking for sanctuary in our lives, there are so many that are outside the walls of this church that are seeking sanctuary for their own lives, a holy place, a place of refuge or safety or even serenity. When you and I invite the Lord to prepare us to be a sanctuary, we are seeking to live into God's vision that people would experience the living Christ in us and find in us a place of holiness and safety. So let's return to our focus passage for the remaining verses about the early church, because these are important too. In response to the powerful and confident and bold prayers, verse 32 says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Can you imagine what this looked like? We don't have to imagine it because Luke, the writer of Luke and also Acts of the Apostles, gives us some images to claim. We are told that in the early Christian church, no one claimed their possessions as their own. They shared everything they had. We may think that this is impossible, but this was how those early Christians lived out their faith. And verse 33 reminds us, with great power they testified to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work within them all. There weren't even any needy persons among them. One of the primary 
descriptions of this early church is that they cared for one another and they took care of one another. Verses 34 through 37 even described how those believers who owned land or houses would even sell them so that the money could be used by the apostles and distributed to those in need. There was something really special about the early Christian church. Not only did they pray boldly, but they demonstrated unity and generosity as well as a deep commitment to the cause. One preacher I read said that this is called radical gratitude. They were so grateful for Jesus in their lives that their faith, hope, and love were radically transformed. And then they did everything they could do to make sure that the church would survive and more importantly, would thrive. Now certainly the examples today give us something to strive for and give us something to live into. We know that we can certainly promote more unity in the church today. We can certainly be more intentional in our response to our commitment to Christ. And again, in the first week of our three-week process for the stewardship campaign, we are focusing today on what it means to be a sanctuary, living into our prayers and our presence. And yes, we admit that this might be a little bit of a different approach for this year. But for such a time as this, we want to recognize that we are called to be generous, yet not just with our financial gifts and with our mission giving. Our prayers and presence make a difference here too. Friends, I'm new. I'm still fairly new. And we have to talk about the fact that we have a hill to climb together in terms of Faith Westwood and the faith commitment of each church family, partner, and friend. Many sacrifices in terms of programs and staffing were made in 2023. We want to end this year not just surviving, but thriving. Amen? So 2024 is a transitional year for us. We want to inspire and challenge this church. We are called to be generous and even sacrificial in terms of living out our partnership covenant, putting our relationship with God, Christ, Spirit, and the church first in our priorities. That's going to look differently for each and every person. We were talking at the finance and church council meetings that maybe we need to talk about instead of a subscription to Netflix, give a subscription to Godflix. You know, it's about making decisions that are going to honor God with who we are. I invited those with, involved with the financial matters of the church to share with me what they thought were the most important reminders in terms of this year's Lord Prepare Me Stewardship Campaign. I was inspired and challenged to remind you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are called to be formed as disciples of Jesus Christ. 
we are called to be supportive of the ministry fund and the mission projects in the church. We are called to be intentional and to be bold in terms of our living and our giving. We want to thank you, those on site and those online, for your commitment to this worship service, to our mission offerings, and to our ministry fund. And some of you, again, are very seasoned givers. And for some of you, you might be praying about making a first-time financial commitment, a first-time faith commitment. And we want to encourage everyone to do so in 2024. Of course, a reminder that we don't always have to start with that 10% tithe. We can start at 1% or 2%. We can take a look at that, at that stepping up in faith document and we can kind of figure out where we are and we can pray about the ways that we might be able to step up in our faith and in our commitments. Church, we have these reminders that, that we can pray with confidence and with boldness. We can speak boldly about Jesus Christ. And we can make a faith commitment to be more intentional with our prayers and with our presence. So Lord, prepare us to be a sanctuary. Amen. Let's get comfortable and let's go to God in prayer. Almighty and gracious and ever-loving God, are we bold enough? Do we ask for what we need? Are we fulfilling your mission and your vision for our church? Because God, sometimes we feel like all the things that we don't do don't feel like they're enough. So for such a time as this, God, you are calling us to be bold. To not be afraid to take steps forward in faith. And God, as we enter into this stewardship campaign, work in our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Help us to look prayerfully at our pocketbooks and the priorities that we make with them each and every day. And God, as we pray with boldness today, we pray on behalf of those in our church family and within our circle of influence who are hurting, who are grieving and who need an extra measure of your grace. God, we know people right now that are carrying burdens that are so very heavy. relieve them of these burdens. Help them to cast them upon you and upon your son who said his burden is light. God, be with all who are facing transitions in their lives. Help them to remember that they don't have to be from here to there in just a snap of the finger, but they can 
allow you to be in the details, guiding each and every step. We pray for our stewardship campaign. God, we love this church. I haven't even been here very long, God, and I am in awe of the ways that we engage in mission and ministry in your holy name. So help us to be intentional. Help us to be generous with our prayers and our presence, with our service, with our witness and our gifts. And God, as we're praying boldly, let's not forget our world, the desperate need for peace in our world at this time. There's so much brokenness and so much violence and so much chaos. And God, we know that that peace begins in our families and in our neighborhoods and in our community, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. So let us pray for the light of your peace to shine in all those dark spaces. We continue to pray for the Ukraine and Russian people in war with one another, all the lives lost, all the pain and suffering. But more recently, God, our hearts are aching for the people of Israel and Palestine. So send forth your peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, allow that peace that passes all understanding to bless. And God, all of this, all of this we bring to you in the name of the one who taught his disciples to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs>